Great passage. Different Easter times, we read slightly different passages, but it's all about the risen Christ. And today, um, we've read from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. A short time. And um, I chose that passage today simply because other Sundays, my sermons have been a little bit long. Is that right? <laughs> you can say yes, you can say yes. But might I say, I'm only here for a short time, I've got to get out as much as I can. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that at all. Praise the Lord. Um, this is my last Sunday here, as, as I know, and I, it's been a joy coming here. Uh, let me say that Stephen's done a wonderful job, an absolutely fantastic job in building this church here at um, St Barnabas. Right? I, I've met Stephen uh, on a number of occasions with EFAC um, over at Highgate Church. And um, so I do, I do know Stephen, uh, also at rural deaneries when, when we've had those terrible breakfasts in King Park. <laughs> Beautiful place to go for a breakfast morning. Um, and it's, it's wonderful, you know. But, um, yeah, praise the Lord. And please do look after him. Um, as I've told you before, that I have been through this cancer before. And not exactly the same as Stephen, but I've, I've been through weeks and weeks of chemotherapy, or actually months of chemotherapy and so on. And I know what it takes out of you. And when you do get finally the all clear to go back, you've still got to build your strength up again. Look after him. If you don't, you might have his mother after you. <laughs> but look after him, please. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Do not be afraid. These words occur at least 81 times in the Scriptures. At least 20 times in the four Gospels. And eight times in Matthew alone. And yet we've had for us read this morning in those short verses, in verses 5 and 10, they appear twice. They, are re they reassure those worried by God's mysterious ways and prepare Jesus' followers for mission. The words calm fears raised by miracles, especially here with the literally earth-shattering reality of the resurrection. Miraculous events or the daunting task of witness cause legitimate fears. How do you feel when people ask you about your faith? What are you going to say to them? Or do you just blurt it out and say, Christ is Lord, he's my saviour, and then come out with a whole spool of scriptures and so on and really give it to them? 
or are you bashful? Are you afraid? Well, miraculous events or the daunting task of witness cause legitimate fears. Firstly, with the guards. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid. They shook and became like dead men. Such was the fear of the guards. You know, I, I really love that stained glass windows. And in many of the churches throughout Perth, older churches, and throughout even through the world, you'll see stained glass windows. How many times have you ever heard a sermon on that stained glass window? And yet that's exactly what I'm talking about today. That stained glass window. The stone had been rolled away. And as we've already said, and I'll say it again, Christ is risen, hallelujah. What? Christ is risen, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's great. great to have people talk. It's an exciting time. We live this side of the cross. Christ has done so much for us and we need to spread the news. Do not be afraid. And so, so the followers, these soldiers, they became like dead men. But this was followed by the women. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. No, don't say it again. <laughs> Just as I said, come and see the place where he lay. The fear shown by the priests and elders, is a different matter. They fear God only in the sense that they are afraid God might do something they have not accounted for. They should have been expecting it. <clears throat> they should have known who Jesus was. But those Pharisees and Sadducees didn't know a thing. And we hear of Jesus Woe to you hypocrites, and so on. And he talks quite bluntly to them. <clears throat> Can we say the same to some of our teachers of the scriptures in some of the colleges around this world? Many years ago, I was told that I would be a minister in the church, that I would go to college. But the minister then said to me, listen to what the ministers say, what the teachers say, and these other ministers, because most of them were ministers anyway, 
What do they say? And then, let the Holy Spirit sift them through in your mind. And he's his words, not mine. And spew out the rubbish. And I tell you, there is some rubbish out there in various colleges and in various churches being preached around. I sat in a church one, day, one evening and <clears throat> there was a man who came and gave a sermon. And during his sermon, he talked about the risen Christ, yes. But he also talked about Judas Iscariot. Now we all know about Judas, what happened to him. And he said that Judas was down in a well and he looked up and he saw a crack of light. And so he climbed the wall of the well and he got closer and closer to the light. And finally when he reached that light, it was a door and he opened the door and walked in. And standing in that light was Jesus who then said, Welcome, Judas. Heaven would not be the same without you. With that, my friend and I just hopped up and walked straight out of the church. I'm not going to have rubbish taught at me like that. And there are ministers around who use a lot of Shakespeare-type things and preach a whole lot of rubbish. And that's why I constantly tell people to read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. I said it so many times at one of my parishes, this, this one particular guy came to me and he said, I get sick and tired of you saying read the scriptures. And I just turned to him and said, well, do you? I knew he didn't. I knew he didn't. His wife did. I knew that but I knew that he didn't. Are we so busy that we can't read the scriptures? Even the passages that we've learned today, just go home this afternoon and read through them and sift out what I've said and see if you see any truth in it. If there's not, give me a ring and say, well, hang on, can I come and see you? You taught such and such. And I'll, I'll come and see you, but I'll bring my Bible and we will open the scriptures and go through it. I won't say anything else. It'll only be from the scriptures. And so, the, these elders and priests, they should have known. And when the chief priests had met with the elders and, the, and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. Where are they getting it from? You know? If we live in fear of God's activity, then any threat of God doing something new will only increase our suspicion. Such fears are by their nature self-perpetuating. 
But we also see in our reading that some doubted when Jesus appeared. In verse 17 of that chapter, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Were they the ultimate sceptics, unwilling to believe even their own eyes? Or did they fear that such good news might be just a cruel illusion, not daring to believe their eyes? Whatever the truth, the answer to such doubt is not argument or extra evidence, but a closer encounter with Jesus. The natural outcome of worship Submitting our hearts and lives to the risen Christ and witness telling the truth about the work and the way of Jesus. Is that what you do? My son walked out of his house, which he's not long purchased, and as he walked out, he saw in the sky a cloud. My wife's got a picture of this cloud. And the picture was in the sign of a cross. And so he took a photo of it and emailed or sent a fax message to my wife. Uh, sorry, a Facebook message to my wife. Walked out the house and saw this and thought of you. And here's this cross in the sky. I was talking to someone last night at an evening meal and they said, we have seen a similar cross to that when we spent time in Dubai. I don't know how many people from that region looked up in the sky and saw that cross. But Christ is moving throughout his world. And he's showing signs and wonders. Whether it's a cloud like that, I, you know, I know I've seen the picture of the cloud and it does look exactly like a cross. Never seen one before, but still. So both tasks may mean crossing racial, cultural, gender or class boundaries. That is when you talk about Christ. The women had to tell the disciples, or in the words of Jesus, say to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, there they will see me. How dare these women go to their disciples and tell them what to do? Back in those days. These days we get women telling us certain certain things, and we don't bother about it. We don't bother about it. We look at equal opportunities and so on. But in those days, women don't tell men what to do. And here they are saying to the disciples, go to Galilee. Well, we do know that the disciples did go to Galilee. They were obedient to what was said. But this statement would bring ridicule on a female testimony. 
we naturally fear the overwhelming, unpredictable force of God's Spirit and the huge challenge of telling a doubting world the good news. But in Matthew 28, both factors are united and both fears are allayed. Do not be afraid. He is risen. Do not be afraid. Go and tell. Do you go and tell? When was the last time you spoke to your neighbour, your family, your friends about Christ? You know, if they came to you, what did you do today? What did you, how was your weekend? You'll go to work on Monday. Well, not this Monday, but normally you go to work on Monday. How was your weekend? Oh, it was a great weekend. I went swimming and blah, blah, blah. I went to church first. What? You went to church? Do we tell them this? Or are we afraid to let our faith be known? Before I was a minister, I was a fitter and machinist by trade. And I worked at Commonwealth Steel in um, Unandera, which is a suburb of Wollongong in the eastern states. <laughs> All right? That's it. Now you're fine. And... Um, I would, every lunchtime, read my Bible, just sit in a quiet place, usually under a tree somewhere, or if it was raining in the lunchroom somewhere, and I'd read my Bible. And I was called Father John or John the Baptist, all by these workmates of mine. Didn't bother me, didn't worry me at all. But every now and then, someone would come to me and they'd say, could you tell me such and such. And I'd say, at lunchtime, we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And then we'd open the scriptures and talk about it. I was never afraid to talk to anyone about the scriptures. Once I, once I became a Christian. I was 35 years old. There's some younger ones here, I know. And praise God for that. But before, if you'd have said, I wasn't a Christian, I'd have probably knocked your block off. That's Christian, isn't it? Because I thought I was a Christian. I'd been to Sunday school. I'd been to church. I was a member of the Methodist church. And it was only when I met my wife, who was a member of the Church of England church back then, that um, I, became, I started going to church with her and my life was converted and I met Christ. And then my life changed. And I've never done anything else but witness about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not afraid to talk to anyone. So, do not be afraid, he is risen. Do not be afraid, go and tell. The women, however, are not the only ones with the report to make. And as I've said before, the guards also had some explaining to do. This results in bribing the witnesses to exchange the false testimony 
Now, what the chief priests had feared all along had actually happened. With more hypocrisy, they undertake to shield the soldiers if their admission of falling asleep on the job backfires on them. Matthew does not tell us what happened to the soldiers. We don't really know what happened. But such a dereliction of duty usually met with summary execution. It is strange that they seem to have greater fear of their human soldiers, or su- sorry, human superiors, than the work of God Almighty that they had witnessed earlier. They saw the angel. They saw the tombstone rolled away. And yet they're so afraid of the Romans, they're so afraid of their priests and rulers, that they lie. The falsehood that the soldiers perpetrated doubtless made it difficult for the church in Matthew's day to witness to the Jews. And we know, once again from Scripture, that this happened. Hence you get Paul going off to the Gentiles and uh, James going somewhere else, and so on. We all know through history what happened. It is ironic, as I've said, that the soldiers have put about a story they were employed to prevent. Of course, as we know, no one was ever able to produce a body. And it's only the disciples that we know and Matthew and Luke will tell us in his gospel. Well, not a gospel. Some people think it should be another gospel, the book of Acts. And I'll read from that a little bit further on. So in the disciples had ever thought that the work of God was over and finished, they now know differently. In one sense, of course, it is finished. Jesus' death on the cross is sufficient and final. The debt has been paid for sin. Indeed, Jesus has all the necessary authority. But theirs and ours is the task and privilege of taking this extraordinary message to the world, teaching and baptising of converts is an essential aspect of Christian proclamation. And Matthew ends his gospel with Jesus' comforting words, I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's no fear. You know, once again, going through college, we were always told, when you go visiting, always take someone with you. There's got to be in pairs, two by two, right? It's biblical, I know that. It's biblical. Then when you get into ministry, 
you want to go visiting, do I call on one of my parishioners who's working in a job somewhere who just can't get that time off to come and talk to somebody with me? Or do I go by myself? Am I by myself? Am I by myself? And as far as I'm concerned, I'm walking hand in hand with none other than Jesus himself. And I would never do anything to upset him in any way whatsoever. And so I've always gone. One o'clock in the morning, you get a phone call. Would you come to the hospital, please? So-and-so's won't probably see the night through. Sure, it couldn't wait till morning? No, they need you now. And so you travel the 101 kilometres to the hospital and sit by them and pray with them and share with them. Do you do this? Are you faithful? When I was called into ministry, I said that I would go anywhere that God sent me. I have been anywhere that God has sent me. And when I say that, I talk about certain bishops also, who I like to think are in tune with the Lord. And when they're looking for a minister, they will call on whoever. And I've seen the whole of Australia, from Queensland down through New South Wales, through the Western Australia and up into the Kimberley, right across through to Victoria. And even being invited across to England and spent three and a half months in England in a parish over there. And I praise God for that. And I've always given him the glory in everything. So let's finish. Gosh, we're getting away, aren't we? It's, a, it's only a short sermon. It's not four pages. It's only one and three quarter pages. <laughs> Dear me. Space or time no longer confines the risen Lord. He can be always present now by his spirit with all people at all times. Truly, as Matthew begins his gospel, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what about us? What about us? I asked the question last week, do you really recognise who Jesus is? Do you understand what he has done for us? Is he truly Lord of your life? Right? Lord of your life. Do you read the scriptures daily and ask him to guide you as you read? And so we turn to this passage in the book of Acts. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach 
until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Did you know that? Did you know that, he, that there are 500 people witnessed in the Scriptures that saw him? We know more about Jesus than we do about Pontius Pilate, by about, yeah, Pontius Pilate or Julius Caesar. You know Julius Caesar? Yeah, yeah. You all know about him, don't you? Do you truly know the Christ? There's a lot of people out there who know Julius Caesar. Jesus? Who is he? And what's he done for you? Well, Paul in his letter to the Romans tells us, and we read this this morning, or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you understand that? Have you read it so many times? We are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. Rubbish. We're in St. Barney's here in West Leaderville. If you are a Christian and you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, you are seated in the heavenly realms and so you are welcomed into the heavens. God has told you that. Read the Scriptures and see what I'm saying is the truth. Here, in this one little passage, Christ Jesus, he died. And we've been baptised into his death. So we have died to our sin, our previous life, what we did before we became a Christian. Sure, we still sin. My life's not perfect. And I'm sure none of your lives are perfect. But when we do sin, do we know where to ask forgiveness? And do we go there straight away, just like that? Knowing full well that your sins are forgiven. Only by him. No one else can forgive sins. No one else. Sure, if I've sinned against Phil and I go to Phil and I say, sorry Phil, I'm sorry I did that. Do you forgive me? Yes, and he forgives me. But Phil could say, no, I don't forgive you. Sorry Phil, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Guess what? If I have gone to Phil and asked for sins forgiven, I'm fine. 
I'm fine. I've done my duty. If Phil doesn't forgive me, then he is at fault. My sin has been lifted. And so there are people in this world who say, I will never forgive you. You've heard it. You've heard it. You'll hear it on the news quite often. Do they know Christ and what he's done for them? Do they know Christ, this risen Christ? Well, let's finish. I'm not having any questions. I'll be told not to have questions because it takes too long. <laughs> At the 8 o'clock service, 8.15, 8.30 service, we had a few questions, but we're still finished in time. Well, let's just finish in prayer for a moment. Loving Father, we do indeed thank and praise you for your Son, our Saviour, Jesus. And we thank you for what he did on the cross. But we thank you that you raised him to life and that our faith is put in that. So bless us, we pray, in all that we do this day and on through our lives together. Guide us continually by your Spirit. For we ask it in your Son's name. Amen.